welcome to week seven of the Punt Return Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Y, and as always, I'm joined by James and Nick. Nick, how are we? Very good, mate. Very good. James? Thanks, uh, thanks for jumping on the call again. Yeah, it's great. James, how are we? Yeah, good. Really good. I think uh, week six of the NFL can best be summarized as the uh, no fun league or not fairly logical or uh, notoriously fixed league. However you want to look at it, NFL officiating is coming to question big time after a series of bad calls against the Lions. I'm not going to say cost them the game because I think that overreaction is a bit much, but it cost them a chance at winning the game, I guess. It stopped them getting the ball back with a chance to win that game. Um, so there's calls now for the NFL to implement a sky judge to oversee officiating and overrule any questionable or um, you know bad mistakes. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you just real quick. Yes or no, do you think a sky judge is needed in the NFL? Yes. Uh, James, yes or no? <laughs> I tend not to get too concerned about uh, refereeing, but I, I'd say no. Yeah, I'm generally in that that sense as well, but it's been pretty bad. This The Seahawks game, especially against the Browns, was pretty pretty awful as well. Um, just I just feel like there's a lot more flags than usual this, this uh, time around, but we'll see whether this overreaction now r- results in a lot of calls being missed. Um, next week, which is generally what happens is they overreact the other way. Um, typical Roger Goodell fashion, underreact to one scandal and then overreact to another. Um, yes, the Patriots, you uh, benefited or got disadvantaged by both of those. It depends where you want to talk. But let's talk week six in results. Lock of the week, Carolina minus two, an easy winner for us. We're now four and two on the season uh, for the locks. We're doing, we're doing well in that regard, Nick. Yeah, I think that's three in a row, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, three we were one and two. We were one and two, so we're on a hot streak. Yeah, we're on a bit of a roll. Yeah. Good. Speaking of hot streaks, Nick, when you're hot, you're hot. I said this last week, but you're keeping it up. I want to know now um, whether you actually took your own long shot this week because you haven't previously and you're undefeated in long in long shots. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't oh, take it this no. week. Maybe that's the, uh, the, the key to the winning formula is just win money for the listeners and not yourself. Well, that's the whole point of the podcast, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, yep. You know, we, we want to win the listeners some money and we want to kind of give them the benefit of our knowledge and experience and however limited or restricted that may actually be in real life. But, yep. uh, you know, look, it's a bit of fun and uh, I've, I've had fun doing it. Yeah, so your long shot AP, uh, I think it was 85 or so yards. That came up about $3, um, give or take a little bit. But any, anyway, it's over the $2 the $2 mark there. And then for me, still chasing that second long shot win. Lamar stole of, or stole all of Ingram's rushing yards, unfortunately, but it was exciting to watch. Um, we'll get into James's long shot in a little bit because it's got to do with your, both your guys takeaway, um, from week six, but the best bet results, Nick 3-0 again last week, George Kittle over hit again. I thought that was in trouble because he was questionable and they said they might have him on a snap count, but he ended up being kind of the key cog for the uh, San Fran, and then under in Washington, Miami, and then uh, Seattle minus one and a half. It wasn't a trap after all, or if you want to blame the Zebras, maybe it was. Um, but 3-0 <laughs> now, 12-7 and seven on the year. I, I went 2-1. and one. Atlanta, Arizona easily went over. New Orleans, Jacksonville easily went under. They were easy winners. Chiefs minus four and a half was shocking in hindsight, but 11-6 uh, and six on the year. Um, but the biggest takeaway from week six for both of you uh, looking at the document is Seattle, and I'll touch on James's uh, long shot. He had Russell Wilson as a bet. He's now in MVP favoritism. James, start us off on the Seahawks and, and what you want to talk about them. Yeah, we, we did send that out last week at about $12 as an MVP chance for Russell Wilson. So yeah. 
I've kind of been high on Seattle all year, and I think it's time we all jump on that sort of Seahawks train. Wilson, yep, into MVP favoritism, which is great. But this uh, offense overall, it's it's third overall behind Dallas and KC, who don't seem like they're sort of worthy of the one and two mantle at the moment. They're scoring at will. They're running all over teams, which is the take that I'm really interested in as well. I know we're going to be talking about this all season, the sort of analytics um, the way they perceive running. Uh, yet only San Francisco and Baltimore are running the football more than Seattle this season. Again, there's a correlation between winning teams and running teams because it's more of a luxury. But the top five running teams this year have a combined 24-5 and five record. Yeah, I still think it's like a, the, I feel like when you're in the lead, you do run the ball more though. So I feel like it's – I don't know whether they run the ball more when it's nil-nil or whether they run the ball more with a lead. I feel like it's very situational. I don't know if that's a bit misleading no, for me. And, I no, mean, it's, 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 it's true, but you, when we think about those five teams, San Francisco, New England, Baltimore, Minnesota, and Seattle, these are really smart teams as well sure. who, who aren't using it as gimmicks or anything like that. They, they're using it as a real part of a balanced game plan and a balanced attack, which I think the whole issue of running Mm. Is about. I think it's not doing it, it like we said yet. I, I think it, yeah, I think it goes hand in hand with play action. I feel like they use play action well. Yeah. They're, they're not just establishing yes. the run to run; they're also establishing it for play action, which is which I, is also crucial. I couldn't agree more with that. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. And yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, it's time to jump on. Although I'm not going to go too crazy yet on on Seahawks. I do think Wilson is the MVP favorite and. And I think that was Nick's biggest question as well. From how far do you think Seattle will go, Nick? Yeah, look, I think they can. I think they can go a long way this season. I, I think, like I've said it a couple of times, they weren't really on my radar at all preseason. Um, and Wilson has been lights out. Or you, we'll, we'll touch on some of his stats later on when we look at, uh, at their matchup um, later in the show. But um, look, they they do everything on offense really well, as you guys have already said. I think they can get better too. Um, you know, I think they can probably make some moves on on offense, bring in another receiver potentially, maybe a, a tight end to to replace this league. Yeah, injury. that's a big blow. Uh, it, it is a massive blow because he's been used utilized really heavily over yeah. the last couple of weeks. The NFL's now without two Gron- the NFL's now without two Gronkowskis. I mean, first Rob Gronkowski <laughs> and now Will Dislikowski is down. <laughs> um, but you know that I, I think, like we'll touch on again a bit later on as well. You know, we, we're kind of used to Seattle being really good defensively, and they're not—they're not fantastic on defense this season. No. And they can improve in, in that regard. And, and I think that if they they make a couple of moves and and solidify their receiving core and and maybe strengthen their defense, then they can they can make some real loud noise this season. Yeah, I, I, I want to see improvement on defense. I wasn't really high on them at all because I knew their defense is going to take steps back, and they have I think they're 18th in DVOA or whatever. I think the Clowney trade. Helps, and I think over the season that will be where the improvement comes in 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 helping the pass rush help the secondary and get some more coverage sacks and and not as give the quarterbacks as much time. So if they can improve on that, I definitely agree with you. Uh, my biggest takeaway from week six is that it's it's over in Atlanta. It's done. Um, the window is closed. Uh, the the issue now is where to. What, what, what's the solution? They're one and five. Uh, it's just not working. But you know, is there any better coaches out there right now that you can sack Dan Quinn for? I, I don't know. Maybe it's too early to move on. Um, if they are going to target, you know, a, a hot college coach that's rising, rising up, then maybe um, they could get. Jay Gruden's available, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> um, but my biggest, my biggest takeaway is if if you blame it on Matt Ryan, you aren't watching football um, or understand football properly because it's not Matt Ryan's fault. Um, so I'm just starting the mantra this week: friends don't let friends bag out Matt Ryan this season. 
Um, so if you hear people bagging out Matt Ryan, you you step in there and defend the guy because um, he, he he's setting all sorts like he's zero three. Like he's got the most losses in NFL history with an over one hundred and forty passer rating. That, it's impossible. He's had three losses like that. Romo's had the other two. It's crazy. I mean, like. It's nuts what this guy has to do to get a win. He became the first quarterback in NFL history to complete 80% of his passes for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And he was doing that at, like, 10 yards per attempt. So he's not, like, dinking and diving here, like, to get 80% completion. Like, he's in a system. He, he's he's overly over the league averages at a, at a quarterback high every single year. And it just needs a good team. I've got a question. If he was on the Colts right now, where would you rank them in the AFC? Ooh. That's a, that's a good question. With Frank Reich yeah. and a good coaching staff and a good O line. Oh, even further. Yeah, I think mm. I think you're up there behind Kansas City and, and New England. I think like I mean Jacoby's been fine, but he hasn't been the reason we're winning games. He still wouldn't help that twenty eighth ranked rush defense though. No, but we we'd improve. Darius Leonard coming back, but uh, let's get into that. Week seven. Uh Panthers, Bucks, Browns and Steelers all have the bye. Um actually one last takeaway. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, this trade. Do you think it saves the Rams season? Um, I'm not sure it will. Their O-line is in absolute disarray and Jared Goff can just struggles under pressure. I don't well, know if it's going to save their season. Sorry, James. I, I don't know if it's going to save their season, but, um, I think it will help. Uh, you know, they, they don't have, they don't, I think I read that they don't have a first round draft pick for the next five years. Um, after this trade, trading two, two first rounders for Ramsey. They're, they're playing for now. They're playing to win now, and they kind of have to in the next season or two if, if they've got any chance because after that, things are going to start dropping off. And uh, I, I, think that they'll, I think that they'll recover in the second half of the season, uh, but I'd, whether, it, whether it's enough to save their season, uh, the jury's out. Yeah. Crazy. I'm not finished on the Rams yet, like, and I'll bring, up, bring it up later in terms of a potential little futures play yep. with them, but it's a lot of money being pushed into golf and Gurley who are producing very, very, very little so far this season, mm. and that's two massive cap holes yep. going into the future as well. Without those first-round draft picks, as Nick mentioned, yep. long, long-term pers- perspective, it's, it's not great times for the Rams, but it's a big gamble. Yeah, it's not the next five years. It'll mean that it, it is five years since their last one, because 2017 so, was, yes, was Jared right. Goff, then they had Brandon Cooks, then they had they trade down to Atlanta in 2019, and then now the next two for Jalen Ramsey. But uh, yeah, that that is still crazy, five years without... But they haven't really hit on any first-round picks. They seem to be getting their bread and butter in rounds two and three, so maybe that's their their philosophy, um, and that's where they, they'd rather take two or three in that sort of range rather than one right up the top. Well, so, Donald Goff and Gurley were first-round picks, and they brought in... Yeah, um, this, the, well, yeah under, under McVeigh, I, I guess. Like, a okay. lot of those guys were there before McVeigh was there, so... Yeah. Um, but let's 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 see. I, I, we'll, we'll get to them. They've yeah. got a key matchup here against uh, yeah, the other team we just talked about. Uh, so let's start Thursday night football. Kansas City minus three at Denver. Total is forty nine. Um, I like the Chiefs minus three here. Uh, I think that both Chiefs losses are a little misleading according to to DVOA. So um, especially last week, they actually outgained the Chiefs in in yards per play and 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 turnover margin margin. It was just that Houston ran like nearly double the amount of plays. So it's just rare for that game to, to have such an imbalance in terms of teams running it. So DVOA looks at that result and says, Kansas City were, were more efficient and we expect them to do better in the long run based on what they saw in that game. I mean, how often is that going to happen where a team completely... I know that's not great. You, you see that and you think, oh boy, that's like just, just crazy. But that's sort of 
I don't know if Denver has the uh, offensive prowess uh, of you know Kansas as uh, Houston or, or Indy to play ball possession and 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 do that. Um, so I still think the Chiefs they lead the league in net yards per play. Still third in total DVOA here. I think you're just getting a little bit of value because of these back to back home losses and uh, they've won seven straight over the Broncos, covering six of those, and they're five and zero against the spread in their last five visits to Denver. Take what I say Thursday night with a grain of salt. I don't think I've hit on a Thursday night game at all. Um, this season, it is just, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not playing it because I just, I've just got mental scars at Thursday night football. We spoke, uh, last week about the Broncos being so continually overrated at home and we wondered about the effect that's having on lines considering they're not actually getting it done at home either as home dogs or home favorites. Chiefs for me is so much more well-rounded, so much more talented, and I think they cover this. I mean, I think they win it from a money line perspective, and I think they get the cover here. It's huge, um, huge game for Casey. They don't want to be losing this again because they're really falling into a hole. All of a sudden, Denver might actually start getting back into that AFC West picture. So, yeah, Chiefs for me. Massive, massive game for the Chiefs. Uh, I, I am a little concerned with Kansas City after two consecutive losses, but you have to think that with Mahomes and, and with their offensive prowess, like, like you said, um, that, that they can get back on track. Uh, I do agree with you, Josh. The line is probably a little bit of an overreaction to, to those losses. Um, they probably should take care of the Broncos. And, and if I was going to play something, it'd be a slight lean to KC. But, uh, yeah, I'm a bit up in the air about it just because I'm concerned with, with the Chiefs. Yep. I will mention Broncos' defense now eighth in DVOA. So they've finally got on track under under their new coaching regime and, and starting to get back on track and make some plays. And for the Chiefs, they're really banged up. I think Chris Jones being out again really, really hurts them. They've got some injuries on the offensive line. So if they don't get it done, I think it is because of those injuries are, are catching up to them. That, that's some key players they're missing, especially just in the trenches there um, that kind of go overlooked or, or un, yeah, sort of underappreciated because of the flashy flashiness of, of Tyreek Hill and Mahomes that people forget about the nitty and gritty in the middle that they've had uh, for the past couple of seasons. Um, let's move on to Arizona at the Giants. The Giants are three-point favorites at home. The total is 49.5. I'm leaning over 49.5 here. Both these teams rank in the bottom five in NFL uh, in the league in opponent yards allowed per play with 6.3. The Giants are 26, and the Cardinals are 29th in opponent points per play as well. And then both these quarterbacks kind of battling for offensive rookie of the year honors, or at least to get a foot up in the race. So I think all signs point towards a bit of a shootout. So look, Daniel Jones had a, had a great has a, has a great chance here to get rid of the, you know that performance against the Pats defense. So I know the Pats defense are awesome, um, and this is a chance for him to kind of put that behind him and, and take advantage of a pretty porous Arizona defense. And then Murray, he's got a great chance to build here. On a, on a pretty good two weeks. So he's starting to get things together. To win three games in a row here, he's going to um, start to climb up that offensive rookie of the year leaderboard. So I think there'll be this will be a bit of a shootout. I like the over. It, it is a tough one. Um, I'm probably not going to touch the win or the line markets. I do agree this game kind of screams points. I'm concerned that the total's a bit of a trap. You're kind of relying on Arizona and or the Giants to, to score 25 points plus. And, and I'm not sure that they've got it in it in them consistently. The other question for me is, will the Cardinals do something with Patrick Peterson now that his suspension is over? Do they lock him into their into their lineup for the rest of the season as you know a, a good team would do, or do they start shopping him around for, mm. for future assets? Um, either way, I think for, for this one, I'm taking the over. And I do think that Evan Engram could be a solid 
DFS and top play. <laughs> Start tight ends against Austin. Cardinals. <laughs> Absolutely. Look at look at Austin Hooper last week. Uh, yep. He had an incredible game. Yep. Um, so I think Evan Engram, if he's fit and healthy, and I think he is, that, that he's probably a solid lock for, for this week. No play for me for this game. However, a quick shout-out to Arizona, who I did not expect to be playing near 500 ball as we near the halfway mark of the season. I thought they'd be in that Miami-Cincinnati range. Um, but a couple of wins and a tie, I know they haven't beaten much, but they'd be really excited as well with, you know, uh, Kyle Murray, franchise quarterback on their hands. And I think top five in rushing overall, DVOA. Mm, so they're running the David, ball well. Yeah, David Johnson and um, and Kyler himself, who's I think up to three hundred yards and a couple of TDs. So that's huge for Arizona. Like this is a this is a team who's not full of heaps of talent on that roster, but hanging in there. Okay, so, let's um, move on to Houston at Indianapolis. India minus one as as of yesterday. I will double check to see if that has changed, but uh, the total is. 47. I'll, I'll get James to start us off here. Yeah, I'll start off with, I think Josh and I, we need to make a public apology to Houston. No, we don't. It's still too early. It's still too early. <laughs> it's still too early, but once again, like, look, I've, as, as we said, I, I, I Do it in the playoffs. They... This is a team who's not employing a GM. This is a team who's had a history of racism in their ownership and everything like that. A yucky franchise. Yet this is a franchise who has won what five of the last eight uh, AFC South, who got a one-game lead already there at the moment and clearing out, and the offensive line's holding up. Then they're protecting Watson over the last few weeks, and Hopkins hasn't even taken off yet. He's neither the top touchdown getter or the top receiver on that team. Will Fuller stepped in to do that, so I, I just. I, I think credit where credit's due. That's all I'm saying here for Houston. And Watson's a major MVP okay. candidate as well. So Okay. You can apologize now. Are you gonna re apologize in six weeks when they like go like two and four and, oh, yeah, no, and then absolutely. you're gonna apologize for your apology? That's why I'm holding off. You know, win a <laughs> win a playoff game. I mean it's all great looking good and, now, but then no, they no, come in my, they lose at home when Indy come in and, and beat them at home in the playoffs. That's what's gonna happen. No, no. And my investments are hoping that Houston do indeed crumble. Yep. because um, I've got Jacksonville there, um and I've got Colts in that sweet zone of between 10 and 6. So hopefully it does work out and hopefully they do crumble, but I'm just giving them love now for four and two start. Okay, fair enough. I, uh, you know, still think they're a little bit overrated, but uh, I do, I'll give them credit. I think Deshaun Watson is the only person I will give credit for. Uh, I feel like he's bailed out Bill O'Brien plenty of times um, here in this game and, and in, in, in a lot of these games. That's a big effort to win in KC last week though, Josh. Yeah, like, no, but, you know, hold them to 13 points like the Colts did. Maybe that. Colts did yeah. <laughs> better. That's all I'm going to say. Um, you know, I think this is, a, this yeah. is more about the about, Colts, isn't it? Yeah. How about you? How about you retire to Sean Watson and then try and go into uh, Kansas City and win a game? How about that? <laughs> no, I don't know. I like the under in this game. The Texans are two and nine against the spread in their last eleven road games versus teams with a winning record. That's what I'm saying. They just come on. Uh, so one of those was last week. So they're one and eight before last week on the road against teams with a winning record. They're one and four straight up in their last five games against Indianapolis. I'm expecting plenty of rushing here. Houston, that's where their big improvement has come, their rushing attack. They're fifth in rushing yards per game, and they topped 126 yards in five of their six games this year, and the Colts are allowing 5.1 yards per rush attempt at the moment. They're 29th in the league in that regard. And uh, Indy also, though, have the fourth-ranked rushing attack, and they're top 10 in DVOA, too, in rushing. 
Um, and the Texans are 20th in run defense at 4.4 yards per rush attempt. So I feel like there should be some long drives, some ball possession type drives. Both both those teams implemented that style to beat Kansas City. Um, and I think they might kind of carry that over a little bit in this game. Um, and the total's gone under in five of, five of the Texans' last six games against the Colts with an average combined score of about 42. So I think this is an under game. I think T.Y. Hilton has a big game. He owns the Texans franchise. Um, he has, if yeah, he has shares. He's the majority shareholder of the Texans. Um, so I think he has over 100 yards. I'll get to that a little bit later as a long shot play, but I like the under. The under looks good if if everything goes to game script and, and goes to plan, as you've just said, Josh, and both teams keep the ball on the ground. However, Watson's thrown the ball 50 more times than Jacoby Brissett this season already. He does love to throw the ball. And Indiana, uh, India are, are ranked 22nd in pass defense, calling football outsiders. And I just think that, that Houston might screw things up for you here, Josh, and try to go long to, to Hopkins, Fuller, and, yeah, right. and Steals if he's fit. They can try. Um, I, well, they can try. They can try. And, yeah, uh, yeah I'm not going to touch it because I yeah. just I don't trust either of them. Do you know the last quarterback to try to throw on Indy? Do you know how many points put up? 13. Do you know who that was? Uh, the reigning someone, MVP. Someone, <laughs> someone mentioned that a couple of minutes ago, I think. Yeah, exactly. All I'm saying. Nah. Um, <laughs> Colts have Darius Leonard back, which is massive for that run defense. They've got to improve on that. That, that isn't their Achilles heel. That's where Oakland really killed them. Um, and, and you're right. If, if, if they do get the ball going on the, on the run and open play action a lot, then you're right. They, they could spoil it with, with a lot of that deep passing with, uh, Watson and, and Fuller. Um, that does, yeah, jokes aside, that does kind of scare me half to death. Um, Will Fuller is playing very well at the moment. All right, Jacksonville minus four at Cincinnati. We probably won't spend as much time on this one. Total is 43 and a half. I'm going to pass on this. Um, Minshew's been fun. Um, it's been a fun ride, but he kind of been exposed a little bit in that last game. And I don't want to take them minus four on the road, but I don't really want to take Cincy. Um, against anyone, but the problem with Cincy is they're starting off really slow. They keep kind of covering through backdoor covers, but it kind of spells doom when their run defense is dead last in the league. So if, if Jacksonville do get out to a lead here and, and get things going, then you know this is a big Leonard Fournette game. I feel like he could easily just run all over them. Um, Cincy allowed 269 rushing yards last week, um, and Fournette may you know touch the ball 30 times in this game, so it could be a big game. Yeah, you've stolen my thunder there with, with Leonard Fournette. He's, he was my big play for this one. Yep. Um, Jacksonville really was stifled last week against the Saints' defense, which is just incredible at the moment. So I wouldn't I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. Cincinnati are ranked 27th in run defense. Could be a massive game for Fournette to ground pound. So. I'm just looking for him in, in fantasy and prop markets, but other than that, I'm not really going to touch this one. Yeah, and Carolina was the game they played the week before. So they played two really good defenses, the, the Jags, in a row here. It's, it's a much easier prospect on the road at Cincinnati. Cincinnati are obviously deplorably bad um, and probably the only threat to Miami for that worst record in the league. I think they do meet as well in a few weeks' time. Yes, another toilet bowl. Yes, and that's, that that will be the ultimate one for Miami. Yeah. I mean that that two point conversion at the end of the year could mean a lot. Mm. From a, I'm glad they missed that. I meant they a, covered. I meant they covered. If they oh. went to overtime, they were in danger of losing the cover. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. It was just absolute beautiful. And yeah, just got to keep Miami at that worst record in the league. That'd yeah. be good as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Jacksonville, yeah, Jacksonville can't go into that two two five hole. They seem way better than falling into a two five hole. So. Mm. Um, I think Jacksonville get it done. 
because Cincinnati are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they cover that four. It feels like a, th- a field goal type affair. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't want to touch that line. All right, uh, Rams minus three at Atlanta. Total is 54.5. This is the biggest total of the week by a big, big margin. Big DFS game, I'm sure, if you uh, pay attention to all of that. I'm sure everyone, all the touts will be picking a lot of players in this one. Um, I like the Rams minus three. I think they get back on track here against Atlanta. Expecting a big performance from Goff, an even bigger performance from Jared Goff, uh, from Cooper Cup, sorry. Um, yeah, I just don't think Atlanta have the pass rushing, you know, power to take advantage of the, of this O-line situation that, that the Rams have and find themselves in. It's a real Achilles heel. Very similar to Cleveland in that regard. Um, so Atlanta ranked dead last in adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders, and 31st in Enya allowed. Um, so they're close to, they're actually closer to, to 32nd Miami, who, um, then 30th is closer to them. I think it's double the margin. Um, so they're actually nearly worse in pass defense than the Dolphins, who are actively trying to lose games. Um, so that's, that's crazy. My, my numbers have this around six and a half for the Rams. So, uh, maybe I'm a bit too low on on the Falcons. Um, and Matt Ryan's the only guy I trust um, at the moment. So, I mean, they could put up some points against this Rams defense, but I think eventually the Rams will, will get away from them here and should cover the, the minus three. I, I think you're 100% right on, on a massive fantasy game in, in this one, this matchup. These two teams, the Rams and the Falcons, are the two most confounding and disappointing rosters for me this season. I, I just don't know. I don't know where it's all gone wrong for them. And it is in that kind of defensive half of the field. For for me, Devonta Freeman is the big player in, in this game, and I think he can be the difference maker both in running and catching. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's had 16 catches for 165 yards. Mm. Uh, pass volume from Ryan is obviously going to be massive. He'll be targeting Julio Jones. He'll be targeting Freeman. Um, so he's another one to watch out for in, in fantasy and prop markets, but uh, I'm going to be looking for Freeman to have four or more catches uh, in this one, and I think you can still get some decent odds on that too. Okay. I'm not giving up on the Rams. Um, I know it's 3-3, but that's not the end of the world for them. Still a lot of football to be played. You can also make the argument that there'll be favourites in seven of their next games. I know it's a bit of a stretch, but the, the uh, schedule coming up, at Atlanta, home to Cincy, at Pittsburgh, home to Chicago, home to Baltimore, away to Arizona, and then they'll bring in Seattle. Obviously, they're not going to go and sweep through all those games, but I think there's the $2.52 price about them actually making the playoffs. This is still a strong franchise. The, def- the defense is ready to take off as well. They're getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. They're getting a lot of hits on quarterbacks. It's just not translating into sacks at the moment. They're going to start coming. I, I-, I do think there's a part. Unfortunately, the NFC is loaded, and there's, what is it, 10 teams into six. It's going to be hard in that respect, but, yeah, schedule's going to help. And also, just from this week's perspective, I've got the Rams covering, money line and covering. And as Josh touched on before in terms of the Matt Ryan defense, which is absolutely in, um, on point, this is an Atlanta defense is giving up 52.5% of Atlanta drives end in a score of some description for the offense. Hmm. That's defensive drives. Yep. Um, and 56% of third down conversions defensively as well, which is also league worst. Horrible numbers in critical situations that I think the Rams exploit this week and get the bus rolling again. So not giving up on the Rams just yet. And they start rolling guys, now. How do you guys feel about the theory that based on the way last season, kind of the second half of last season and, and the Super Bowl and, and all that, that 
the Rams and McVay are just kind of holding back in the first half of this season, and potentially oh, we see them explode in the second half. I don't know if they could have. I don't think holding back against an undefeated 49ers team is is like what's the point in that? Like they should be. They should if they win that game, they, they they're first in the division or whatever it is. So I I don't know. Um, yeah, I, think- I, I feel like they are building nicely. I mean, this Jalen Ramsey acquisition is gonna really help them because Marcus Peters was, wasn't playing good and they've just lost to Lee, but it gives them Nickel Roby, Coleman on one side and then Jalen Ramsey obviously can just shut down a team's top weapons. I do think it, it massively boosts their, their defense hugely. And two of those three losses, in fact, three of their last four, if we go back to the Super Bowl, are against Seattle, San Francisco. They're both playing playoffs this year and the Patriots, who obviously won that Super yep. Bowl. And the other thing is with McVay, it's not like it looks complicated. It looks technical. Teams are starting to sort of find out how he plays. I think the first one and a half years was quite a gimmick for the NFL. Mm. Um, so he's going to have to reinvent himself. He's got as to well. adjust. Yep. And, and, and I, I trust that he will. And thankfully, he has a defense and a lot of talent. Mm. And Wade Phillips there to help him out on the other end. Uh, just coming back to, I just, don't, I'm not willing to throw the towel in with them just yet. Mm. I, I'm, yeah. It's hard though. I mean, it. Carolina's playing well with the Saints up there, and then you've got three teams in the North. It's just so yep. loaded. And they just can't afford to to lose or throw games like this. Uh, um, they need to win here. They need to win convincingly. Um, yep. Credit to and the Rams. Yeah, cre- credit to the Rams doctors who fixed Jalen Ramsey's back in in two days. Um, well done. <laughs> um, Miami at Buffalo. Buffalo sixteen and a half point favorites. Yes, the Buffalo Bills are sixteen and a half point favorites in an NFL game. The total is 40 and a half. I mean, I bet the Dolphins plus three and a half last week, and I hated every single minute of it until they covered, and then I loved it. Um, but I won't be making that mistake here. I also won't ever take Buffalo minus 16 and a half in anything against anyone. Um, it's still Buffalo. It's still Josh Allen. Um, Miami are now the worst DVOA team ever through six weeks, and even that is not enough for me to say. Yeah, give me Buffalo here. 16 and a half when the total is 40. That's That seems just... Too too big for me. I'm going to pass on this game. Um, I mean, I'll watch it. There'll be some ugly highlights in it, but uh, I'm, I'm going to leave it. Horrible betting games. It'll be a pass for me. I generally take the unders in Bills games, and it's uh, they've, they've treated me pretty well this season so far. But, yeah, like you said, that 40.5 is, is too low, and that line is way too high. Um, Buffalo should win and, and win pretty easily. This is a historically bad Miami team, and, and even the, the Bills – the Bills could put up 30-plus on this Dolphins. But, yeah, I, don't, I just don't like any of these single markets here at all. So it's a, it's a no from me. Buffalo are 10-5 and five against the spread over the last 15 years after a bye week. So they that, that's a nice little sort of trend for them. So is the fact that they, they cover as home favourites at 55% rate during that time span, which is also top five. So mm. just a couple of little spreads from an against-the-spread perspective. Uh, and that's also that's pretty pretty amazing for a team who has been terrible in these last fifteen years and hasn't made the playoffs just once. Yep. So you can lean on those kind of things if you if you if you're desperate for a play against Miami. If I'm desperate for a play, I'm taking Miami money line and just believing in Fitz Magic and just you yeah. know, yeah. Maybe if you light a hundred dollar bill, it might turn into into more money. Maybe with Fitz Magic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Minnesota minus one at Detroit. Uh, the total is 46. Give me Detroit plus one and a half or two if it gets there, please. Um, and if it does get there, then I'll take the Detroit money line as well. But uh, at the at the flat one, I'll probably avoid. So I'm just going to wait and see on this one and see how it plays out. But I think 
I think the Lions are still a little bit underrated. Um, as much as I despise Matt Patricia, I think they have a really good chance here at home to win this outright, especially after the way they got rorted. They're going to be like extra motivated. And I don't normally believe in that sort of stuff, but man, they got done the dirty and they're filthy about it. And, um, you know, there was some, you know, some bad calls on Patricia as well that he, he, he'd like to have back as well. So I think, um, you know, they're, they're two, two and one straight up. They're four and one against the spread, but they could easily be five and oh straight up. Like they could be one of those teams that's undefeated. They've had a harder schedule than the Vikings. And I think this is interesting. The Vikings outside the division uh, have a good, have a really good, uh, have a good record, but then it's like in the division, not so much. I feel like the teams in their division know how to play them. So this season, Minnesota are four and oh straight up. And against the spread outside of the NSC North, but they're 0 and 2 straight up and against the spread in their two divisional games. So I think, uh, I think that's going to go really well, um, for, for that. And I, I think Detroit, I, I like them. I hate it because I don't like Matt Patricia, but I, I think I like Detroit. Uh, what about you, James? Um, huge game, obviously. Detroit very vulnerable against the rush. Whereas, as we know, Minnesota love to ground and pound. Not sure on the actual number here, um, from a player prop perspective, but the last four times, Dalvin Cook has ran for less than 60 yards. He's responded with games of 84, 136, 111, and 132 yards. Mm. So this is a guy who doesn't like to be kept down for too long and usually responds accordingly. Um, also a real path for Minnesota here to 6-2, and two, considering they've got Washington next week in this sort of the baton changing hands constantly for this sort of NFC supremacy. Mm. Why not Minnesota? I mean, <laughs> we can put a blanket over all of these teams. So, yep. yeah. I, I said last week that Kirk Cousins had to be at his best for Minnesota to beat Philly. And he was. That was the Kirk Cousins that we've kind of been waiting for all season and, and all of last season, to be honest because he torched the Eagles for 333 yards and four touchdowns. This Detroit secondary, however, is nowhere near as bad as the Philly secondary. Um, they're actually ranked 10th in pass defense by football outsiders. They are only 19th in rush defense, though, compared to Minnesota's 9th in run efficiency, which, like James said, could really open some lanes for Dalvin Cook, and, and he's kind of the, the big play out of this one. I think he can have a massive game. The other markets is uh, it's again it's a pass for me this week. Mm. I still rate Minnesota. I like even though I'm tipping Detroit, I just it's at home. I mean, if this was at Minnesota, I feel like for the rest of the year I'm just not going to bet against Minnesota at home at this point. I feel like they probably have one of the biggest sort of home field advantages in the NFL. I think they just play so much better at home, and, and things seem to go their way a lot more at home. I don't know what it is about playing there for them, but it seems to be it seems to do nicely for Kirk Cousins as well. Um, I think they're one of the best teams in the NFC, but I also think that Detroit are actually up there in, in a proper contender. I think Matt Stafford's um, having himself a, a, quite the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think this, this is a, actually one of the games of the week. I'm really excited to actually watch that game. I normally don't like watching games at Detroit because it's just a horrible stadium. But anyway, um, Oakland at Green Bay. Green Bay minus five and a half. The total is 46 and a half. Nick, what do you like here? These packets are, are really good and I wasn't expecting it in preseason. Yep. Uh, I think that this line should probably be closer to a touchdown than the five, five and a half that, that you can get at the moment. Yep. And and I really don't rate Oakland. I, I haven't all season. I've been really vocal about the fact that Oakland are trash. Um, <laughs> and this Packers team are just better everywhere, all over the field. So I'm taking this five and a half and running with it, especially if Devonta Adams is is healthy. And the word is that he's, he's borderline. So I'm hoping he plays. And I think the Packers win regardless, really. Okay. I'm going to agree and disagree with you, um, whether that's contradicting itself 
I agree that this line, I, I think this line should be around seven, seven and a half. I have it much higher. Um, and, but I also disagree with you. I don't, I, I don't think Oakland are trash. I think they're slight, still a little bit underrated. I feel like there's a lot of stink around them because of Derek Carr and Brown and Gruden. But uh, I feel like they're trash, actually, trash. no, no, no. I feel like they've, I feel like they're okay. <laughs> I feel like they're a middle of the road team and they're going to, they're going to trouble some teams and play spoiler for a lot of teams. I mean, they went into Indy and just decimated the Colts. Um, and then the Colts beat the Chiefs. So, I mean, like, I know that's not saying like, oh, if you, you put them two together, Oakland are better than the Chiefs or whatever, but I just feel like they're scheming well. Like, oh, I, it kills me to, to give John Gruden some credit, but offensively, I feel like they're doing a good job at keeping Derek Carr overly, like, safe and not, um, getting pressured a lot. Their pass, their pass protections actually have been really well, really, really done nice. Like, they've just done a great job of keeping him clean. They did it against the Bronco, against the Bears in London and moved the ball pretty well against a very good Bears defense. I feel like they should get some credit there. I still have massive concerns about their defense, and that's why I prefer Green Bay in this game. I agree with you, especially if Devontae Adams plays at minus 5.5. I do worry, though, about the weapons situation for Rodgers. I mean, get the guy some weapons. He's thrown to some guy called Lizard or something. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> such and such Lizard and Lazard. Lazard. Like, <laughs> fair deal. Like, Alan Lizard. Like, come on, mate. Like, get, AJ, give AJ Green. Give the Bengals a call. Get AJ Green. Come on, mate. Like, um, and, you know, the Packers, they're doing well and they've done it against the, they've had the heart, the third hardest schedule so far by, um, football outsiders. So, and they're still doing really, really well. I mean, they're winning. Their defense sort of got torched in the first quarter, but the last three quarters they really locked it down and, and did a good job. So I like Green Bay minus five and a half. What do you got, James? I love the Packers here. We're basically talking about the second best Green Bay defense in decades. The last time it was this good was they won a Super Bowl in 2010. And it's what happens when you have this con- concentrated effort. They've brought in 14 first and second round picks through the draft over the last sort of uh, eight or seven or eight drafts. Plus, they've been willing to spend. Zadarius Smith was probably one of the best off-season defensive acquisitions, and Preston Smith as well, who was sort of yep. cast away at Washington over the last two or three years. They've combined for 24 quarterback hits and 13 sacks. Booger, Booger thinks it. they're brothers. Just quite. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go down the whole Booger. Yeah, all right. Fade Booger. Um, and so having that amazing defense, which is absolutely unheard of with Green Bay this decade, is taking so much stress off Aaron Rodgers and allowing them to be more paced and bringing Aaron Jones into the game. He's, but he's thrived this season. Now, against Oakland, this is an Oakland team who is getting no pressure on the quarterback. In fact, 4.3% of dropbacks, that's all they're getting any pressure on. That's the league worst rate in the league, which should absolutely fit perfectly into Rodgers' hands. Also, Gruden is three and six as a road underdog mm. with the Raiders. The other thing is, I heard I heard a few, something a few few weeks back that what Gruden doesn't like is any kind of sophisticated defense. He likes it just bread and butter, and he's not going to get that here with Green Bay. And yeah, Mike Gruden, Gruden doesn't Gruden doesn't like the word sophisticated. <laughs> I think, it's, I think that's all. He, I think that's all he eats: bread and butter. I mean, that's probably <laughs> the extent of his diet. At this point. <laughs> At, no, so yeah, huge, huge, um, I'm, I'm big on Packers this week. It yep. hasn't been like, I'm yeah. like Nick, I can't stand it. Yeah, the, their defense, the Oakland defense is a concern. The lack of pressure is, is a concern. I, I don't have any qualms about the Oakland offense, but yeah, that, that defensive lack of pressure. I mean, Green Bay, like Aaron Rodgers should, should feast, even with Devontae Adams or not. I mean, Alan Lizard, maybe a DFS play. 
this week too. Oh, by the way, the narrative on this game as well. Like, this is a massive difference in preparation time. Oakland coming yeah, off true. a bye, a lot of Good prep. Point. Green Bay on a short week. So, I mean, that's probably that's why the number point. is under a touchdown. I think a lot of people will buy into that. And that's probably where you're getting the value there on Green Bay. Let's move on to San Fran minus ten at Washington. Total is forty-two. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this one. It's a pretty lopsided affair. I think we all expect uh, San Fran to get the win. Um, I think, you know, not only the 49ers being a surprise, it's the 49ers defense being this good that's been the biggest surprise um, for me this season so far. It's been a pleasant surprise. And just how good they are on third downs and fourth downs. The Rams were 0 for 15, converting third and fourth down opportunities on Sunday. And they were 0 for 6 on short yardage. Um, in one to two yards to go, and they've pressured opposing quarterbacks on 30.5% of dropbacks, which is the second highest percentage in the league. So it's um, it's just staggering how good um, San Fran is. And on the, on the other side of the foot, uh, the Washington, they stink. I mean, the Tua Bowl, they won. Um, and they they won convinc- convincingly in DVOA if you look at how still it's just... They won convincingly, but they're also terrible. So they were minus nine eight nine point eight percent in DVOA, and Washington were minus fifty four point nine percent. So even though they won convincingly, they still stink. Um, and for me, it's just like maybe Terry McLaurin's the value in the offensive rookie of the year uh, market. I think he's around ten dollar mark there. He's a sports car parked in a junkyard at the moment. But I don't know whether the quarterback play is going to be good enough for him to maintain any uh, stat line to win offensive rookie of the year. There are two unbeaten teams in the NFL to this point at week seven. One of them is New England Patriots, which we all kind of thought would be the case. And the second one is the San Francisco 49ers, which I don't think any of us thought would be the case. I, I was bullish on the Niners. But I didn't think they'd be unbeaten at this point, but they're just getting it done week after week after week. And they'll win this one too. But that minus 10 is too big to take uh, away from home. And, and I don't trust Washington to cover the plus 10. So it's no play for me. But I really, really like what, what the Niners are doing at the moment. They're, they're good to watch. They're incredible on defense, like you said, Josh. Yep. And just really, really exciting team. Just one quick start from me. This is the second best DVOA in the entire league. Yet they're blitzing at fifteen point three percent of plays, which is the second or first or best or least mark in the league. So they're sending nobody, yet producing that much sort of destruction. Pressure, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just with uh, Buckner, Ford, and Bosa, and that's allowing them to drop, you know, seven or eight back into coverage. That's a destructive, effective unit by Salah there. Um, another team in the NFC get excited about, and we haven't even spoke about New Orleans Saints yet. So. Mm. Good on San Francisco. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, the Chargers at uh, Tennessee uh, minus two. And, and just good on San Fran for winning on the road in L.A. I mean, that's a tough win. Yeah. I know the Pats are undefeated, but that's probably the best win of the undefeated teams, winning on the road um, in L.A., um, even though the Rams aren't the Rams that we expected. That's like a, a proper good win to, to know that they are every bit legitimate. And can we still show on Salah? I mean, how much did they show him in the coverage? It was just... Ridiculous. Just, come on. He's not making plays. Um, all right. Charges at Tennessee. Tennessee minus two. Total is 40. Nick, start us off. What do you got here? Well, I think Ryan Tannehill come in for Mariota, boost the, the Tennessee passing game. Uh, he's always been the throw-first quarterback, especially since his, his injury. Um, so mix and match your Tennessee receives in, in DFS lineups. Check out fantasyinsider.com.au and check out some of the value around those receivers because I think they all get a little boost. With Tannehill under center, that's Humphreys, Corey Davison, and Delaney Walker, the tight end. Could all be solid plays this week, but 
horrible game to bet and uh, not touching it. James? No, it's a complete pass from me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, well, this is a play for me. Um, I disagree. I don't think Ryan Tannehill helps them at all. I mean, they're they're both just terrible, miserable quarterbacks at this point. Um, and the Chargers, I like them plus two here. Um, I mean, these aren't your 2018 Chargers, but they're still fifth in yards per drive on offense. It just hasn't translated on the scoreboard yet. Um, I think that ugly win, uh, ugly loss at home. Might be the spark they need to get going. The Titans are winless straight up as favourites this season. They're 0-4 against the spread in their, their four home games. And, yeah, as bad as the Chargers' defence has been, the Titans' offence gives me zero confidence that they can get take advantage of this. Uh, 20, they're 27th in passing DVOA, 27th in rushing DVOA. Um, yeah, the, 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 the play calling is horrendous. doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. I think that's the key there is the play calling's been... Worse, yes, they have the best turnover rate in the NFL, but they're 30th in points per drive. So they're just happy to punt and give the ball back repeatedly. Um, I think LA actually prefer probably traveling on the road. I feel like they're just kind of immune to home away just because their home field advantage is so shocking. They're actually 8-2 and two straight up and against the spread in their last 10 road games. I think this is um, the Philly River. I think Philip Rivers has more fans in Tennessee um, than he does in LA because his family and stuff. <laughs> I mean, if he has eleven kids, imagine how many kids his siblings have. There could be there could be like five hundred rivers there. I mean, it, it could be a big family affair down in uh, Tennessee for for Philly Rivers, and I think he gets the job done. Um, and I think they win this game outright, and I'll take the plus two. I mean, it's an ugly game. You're right, James. Two and eight since their opening wins in in this game. It's a disgusting game, but there's value, and I'll take it. Right off. <laughs> Baltimore at Seattle. Seattle minus three and a half. The total is 49. Nick, you're excited about this one. Get us going. I love this game. This is this is my game of the week. And as we kind of touched on at the top of the show, Seattle are my um, biggest surprise of the season. Yep. Um, Baltimore's offense is, is also fantastic, better than their defense, which is something that we, we haven't said in 20 years about the Ravens. Um, but this one, this one, like we, we touched on earlier, is all about Russell Wilson. He's the difference maker. It's at home. He's a top two ranked quarterback in all of football outsiders QB categories. He's ranked two in total value, uh, DYAR. He's number one in value per play, DVOA, and number two in, in QBR. He leads the NFL in completion rate at like 79%, something mm-hmm. ridiculous like that. 14 touchdowns, 1,600 yards, MVP caliber season. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how the loss of Will Disley affects him kind of long term, mm-hmm. but I think he gets the job done. Um, I like the overs in this one. I think there are going to be points at 49, the, the overs line. Um, I'm not sure about the, the three-and-a-half-point spread, but yep. I'm taking two plays, which is Seattle money line and the over 49, and maybe even my long shot might be a double again. Ooh, I like uh, it. I I agree with you. You can, still, you can get 320. You can get 320 for that. There we go. Um, I feel like the three-and-a-half spot on. I think it's just it could be a field goal game there, and you think, oh, yeah, three-and-a-half, but – it feels like very much that this game will be decided by three or four points. I think um, I agree with you. That is, yeah, there's one MVP candidate this season. It's it's Russell Wilson. That's that's it. He he's the MVP at this point. I know it's early, still plenty of games to be played, but he is he is the MVP at this point. Um, he's just doing such a tremendous tremendous job. Um, I agree. Over 49. Historically, when you think of these two teams, you think of great defenses. This isn't the case in 2019. Both teams dramatically better on offense. Then defense. This matchup will see Seattle's number three rated DVOA offense against Baltimore's 22nd DVOA defense. And Baltimore's 
Uh, Fourth-rated DVOA offense against Seattle's 18th-ranked DVOA defense. You've got two top-four DVOA offenses in a game. Give me the over, and the total's gone over in 12 of the Seahawks' last 15 games. So just think this is going to be a points affair. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Baltimore's defense looks with some help at secondary. Uh, although Marcus Peters hasn't been great over the last fortnight, he's still a massive upgrade over Anthony Everett, who's been one of the worst corners in the entire league. So definitely helps Baltimore when they start to get some players back on defense. I think their secondary is going to improve down the stretch, but not here. I think over 49 is the play. I just I just love these two franchises. They're sort of full of smart front offices that are kind of two or three years always ahead of the rest of the pack. So when they introduce something, you know it's worthy, you know it's well sort of thought out. Um, and that would speak to these offensive breakouts from both these teams. You know, the, 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 the RPO quarterbacks, the, the, the running, the speedy receivers that they're drafting as well, whether it's Hollywood Brown or Metcalf or whoever it will be. Uh, even Tate uh, Lockett a few years ago was sort of a left field selection in the third round, but he ordinarily would have been a, 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 at best a seventh round kind of pick that they wanted him to do everything as well. And he's delivering. Mm. Um, Ravens defenses and from, from this point of view, the Ravens are blitzing like crazy this year and getting no bang for their buck. 49.3% of their defensive plays are blitzes, yet they're getting torched. They're, they're only produced 11 sacks doing it and they've given up 24 pass plays of over 20 yards this season, which is the territory, you know, that the Giants, Tampa Bay and Arizona are occupying. Russell Wilson's going to see that and he's going to thrive in that as well, I would imagine. Uh, just another point on that Baltimore defense as well, which is concerning and very un-Ravens-like. 776 yards after catch they've conceded, which is worst in the league, and they're missing tackles as well. They missed 34 tackles. So, mm. and especially the way Seattle play, we know, as Nick referenced before with Wilson's 78% pass percentage as well, Seattle love to ding and donk and make your defense work and tackle. Um, so it could be a long afternoon if those kind of things play out for Baltimore. So, and again, in terms of that conference thing, thank God Baltimore are in the AFC. So <laughs> otherwise they'd be gobbled up, I think, in the NFC. Yeah, but, definitely. They're not making the playoffs in the NFC Baltimore, yeah. but in the AFC, they're probably the third or fourth best team still. So, Or even the second. You could stretch it to the second. Yeah, you could. I think that range is, is up there. I mean, they're extending that. A win here would extend that lead in the, uh, in the division quite considerably, but you know it still leaves the door open, that, that vulnerability on defense. You're right. Earl Thomas hasn't quite fixed up uh, that, that, mis- that sort of rift. I mean, Tony Jefferson out as well makes it very Huge. tough for them. And CJ Mosley, as you kept pointing out earlier in the year, Josh, yeah. that's a massive loss in the middle of the middle of the defense. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to come back from all that uh, sort of player loss. I thought L. Thomas would be enough, but uh, it hasn't worked out yet. But you and, know, and look at Zadarius Smith in Green Bay as well. That's yeah. what they've sort of let go. Of. Yeah, thriving, thriving. Uh, New Orleans at Chicago. Chicago minus three and a half. The total is thirty-eight and a half. Bears coming off a London loss to the Raiders, off fresh off the bye. New Orleans second straight road game here after winning in Jacksonville. Um, for me, uh, I like New Orleans plus three and a half. I like the money line as well. I think Saints D's just been immense over the last three weeks. They held the Jags to 11 first downs and 226 total yards of offense in a 13-6 to win. Um, and uh, that included getting to Minshew for a couple of sacks and forcing just his second interception of the season. Um, I, I think right now New Orleans are just one of the best teams in the league and they remind me kind of of Philly, the, the Super Bowl 
the Super Bowl team that Philly won were they went they won with Nick Foles because they're so strong up front um, on the offensive line and the defensive line, and that's where they've been winning lately. And it's helped their secondary, it's helped their passing game. Teddy Bridgewater's starting to to get some confidence and, and get things together. They're, they're a much better coached team, and if this is Chase Daniel, I don't know how many points he's going to score against this Saints defense. Even if it's Mitch Trubisky, I don't think it's going to improve them that much. So I'm going to take uh, the Saints uh, plus three and a half. James, what do you like? Yeah, I really love the the Saints here, and this is another contender for potentially. I probably agree with the most rounded NFC team. Um, I think I saw a stat as well that said this is the first time in 30 years that New Orleans have able been able to get a couple of wins with scores under 14 points. So I think they've got a 13 and a 12 that they've won by this year. Like San Francisco, they're getting a lot of um, a lot of production despite blitzing too much, uh, not much at all. So Davenport and Jordan, uh, uh, insane production from that D-line, which is allowing someone like Marshawn Lattimore to thrive. He's probably in all-pro form. Um, yeah, he's playing uh, well. Yeah, he's playing exceptionally well. And like you said with Chase Daniels, I don't – Chase Daniel. I don't <laughs> think a Chicago, this Chicago offense, which is ranked 23rd overall, is going to give New Orleans too much trouble. The only difference is – and which might be factoring into this line is Chicago coming off some rest. So that's probably the only reason I thought this could be three and a half. But New Orleans plus three and a half is my best of the week. How the Bears are favourites here is just beyond me. This this Saints team, like both of you mentioned, especially on on defence, incredible. They're five and one without Drew Brees, and I'm not sure any of us would have would have picked that when he went down. You know, he's the talisman, the leader. He's missed most of the season. So far, and, and you know, it's like they haven't missed a beat. Yep. And, and like like you've said, Chase Daniel is is that the best that, that the Bears can offer on offense. They've got David Montgomery, who I was really high on for offensive rookie of the year, uh, offensive rookie of the year preseason, but he, he hasn't really lit it up. Although he, he has been effective at the goal line when he's had chances, but there's not much there's not much else to speak for at the moment. Chicago on offense, um, Allen Robinson maybe he's, he's mm-hmm. been good the last couple of weeks, but. You know, again, he's not not exactly a, a world beater, and I think that the Saints D have them covered, and Saints Saints should win this pretty easily in my book. Mm. Um, and this this plus three and a half is money for jam, I reckon. Yeah, feels it feels almost too easy, but yeah, I, I I get why Chicago are favorites. It's tough to go into Chicago and win on the road, especially on your second straight road game, and they're fresh off the bye. So I understand why they're favorites, but getting that extra hook. On the field goal just seems just a bit too much, too much there. I think sort of two, two and a half is probably where it should be. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, that's right. Yeah. It, it, I feel like Lattimore, Alan Robinson, if Lattimore can shut down Alan Robinson, I feel like that's just going to be the, the key matchup there because it's, it's not a lot of sh- other Chicago sort of players stepping up on offense there. Um, for them to move the ball. And Akeem Hicks out for the Bears is massive for that run defense. Mm, um, we've got to massive. mention as well, Alvin Kamara might miss this game. They might rest him. He's a little bit injured at the moment, but uh, uh, we'll have to see how that affects them because he is such a such a difference maker for them. Um, so that could be something to, to monitor. But Latavius Murray, I think, is an adequate replacement. Obviously doesn't offer that same pass game ability, but uh, they have plenty of weapons there that they can they can rely on in the passing game. Um, I don't think it's going to change particularly in this matchup. Going forward, obviously, they'll need Kamara um, in, in other key matchups. Um, let's move on. Philly at Dallas. Dallas minus three. Total is 49.5. Honestly, I have no read on either of these teams. I have no idea what they are or who they are or what their identity is. 
Um, they have so much potential when you look at their rosters and, and aspects of their coaching staff. Um, but the only thing I do know is the Eagles secondary is by far, uh, in a way, the worst unit in this game. And I'll be eyeing up some player props in this one. I think Michael Gollop, 100-plus yards. I'm still waiting on a price for that because there's some doubts about Amari Cooper. Um, but he kind of, speaking of Amari Cooper, he's kind of the key. Um, Dak Prescott's failed to surpass 300 yards and or throw for three touchdowns in eight games without him since week one of last season. Um, and the Eagles, but this is crucial as well. The Eagles lead the league in defensive pressures, and the Cowboys may be without Tyrone Smith and Leo Collins. But uh, pointing to all of those, I I have no idea. I'm going to stay away from this. The uh, the NFC East is now the NFC least in my mind. Oh, that's good by you. Thanks. Um, yeah, that, it's, it's been such a disappointing week for Eagles fans. You get torched by Kirk Cousins and then lose out in your main trade target when Jalen Ramsey gets dealt to the Rams. Um, you look at Patrick Peterson, maybe? I, I don't know. Yep. I don't know where to for, for this Eagles secondary, but uh, no bet for me, obviously, as always. But you, you have to look at, like, like you said, Josh, these Cowboy receivers as value options in, in props and fantasy. Cooper, Gallup, Cobb even, um, and, and Dak Prescott. You've got to assume that, that one of them at least will have a big day against this Eagles defense. Who wins? I don't know. Um, I'm not going to touch it, but you know, we, the Eagles have to get to Dak Prescott. That's that's going to be the key. Yeah, this is but two three and three teams who, like Josh said as well, I can't get a sense of what's going on. Dallas started off fantastically. Philly sort of emerged for a brief moment there, and then we find themselves that the loser of this game is going to be three and four, and so all of a sudden a really long way back in the NFC. So I'm going to. It's it's an absolutely fascinating match, but. I can't get a, a good read on it, and certainly not a play on it either. So, mm. but but massive for long term. Uh, yeah, given the given the way the NFC is playing out, I kind of penciled both these teams in the playoffs. But I feel like yeah, whoever wins this division is the only team that's going to make it at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially if they split wins with each other. Um, you know, it's crazy. I I don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, finally a pretty good primetime game though. I'm keen for this Philly at Dallas. Although Green Bay. Um, Green Bay and uh, the Detroit game was very, very entertaining, despite the obvious refereeing flaws. Um, all right, let's get to Monday Night Football. New, New England Patriots minus 10 at the New York Jets. Uh, 42.5 is the total. Um, I just want to mention, I, I kind of said, this, this, everyone thought the sky was falling in on Sam Darnold after week one, and I said last week that he actually played better against the Bills defense than Tom Brady did, so it wouldn't surprise me if he put on a good showing against the Cowboys, and boy, did he did he ever. Um, him and Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder had some some really strong games, really helped the uh, the uh, running game as well with Le'Veon Bell um, having some success. So I was really happy for the Jets fans. It was a nice game. I'm glad they have something in Darnold. I think he's the future, and their schedule gets super friendly for them after this week. So they could go on a nice little run here and just be a fun team to watch and, and to bet on and, and to have some DFS plays in um, over the next sort of six to eight weeks. But... Man, this Pats team is historically good. They have a total DVO over 50%. Something five other teams, only five other teams have ever done after six games in the NFL season. I know the schedule's been kind, but you can kind of only play what's in front of you. So, um, and they're, and they're winning, you know, very easily and methodically and getting things done. So, um, no play. 10 seems about right for me, especially in prime time. Um, if anything, I'd probably lean to the under. I feel like maybe this is a little bit high because of, the game against the Giants going over, and then the Jets having their big day. But I, th- I feel like I don't know if they can have a big day against this uh, uh, Pats secondary. 
Yeah, the Pats haven't really played anyone of, of note yet, like like you said. But so what? I mean, I, I see no reason why they wouldn't still be six and zip had they played anyone else at, mm. at this point. I, I don't know, though. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with that because their offenses kind of looked a little bit vulnerable at times. I mean, they were awful against against the Bills, and they, they showed signs of some some issues against the Giants who were pretty awful on, on defense. And, I mean, if Josh Allen doesn't get concussed, then maybe the Bills beat them. I don't, I don't know, but... Maybe, but yeah. again, this is, this is this is all maybe, and, yeah. and what my point is is that maybe, maybe they wouldn't be historically good like like they are at the moment had they played had they had a tougher schedule. But you know, there, there's no team, there's no single team that jumps out at me as as a category yet. Yeah, that's the one that yeah. that would have beaten them or, or that will beat them or whatever. Yeah. I just think that this, this franchise is unbelievable, and I hate them for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. On the on the other hand. <laughs> Understatement on, on of the, the day. Hand, <laughs> the day. Yeah, I, right. I agree. Preach. <laughs> um, on the other hand, the, you know, the Jets finally got a win. Um, thankfully for, for this Eagles fan, taking some points away from the Cowboys um, and, and one less zero and sixteen team to, to root for, for for James and his futures bet. But um, the Pats win this. I actually like the. I actually like the Pats at a dollar twenty seven. Oh, you can still get them on and the money line. I, I feel like it should be a dollar fifteen, a dollar twenty. Um, and that will probably come into to that sort of mark as as the markets kind of follow the the punters close to the kickoff. Um, Pat's money line for me, but nothing else. I know it's the Pats, but I'll ne- I don't know if I'll ever take a dollar twenty money line in the NFL. <laughs> it's the NFL. I know it's the Pats, but yeah, that scares me to death. So one small trend here is that obviously we know how ridiculous the Pats D is. And that's going to be thrown up against the Jets O-line, which is deplorable and is giving up sacks at a league high 14.1% of dropbacks. So that doesn't bode mm. well at all. The fact that they're also getting – Jets aren't getting any pressure on the quarterback either, which should allow Brady, who hasn't been in really good form this year at all, yep. um, give him some space to thrive and sort of find some receivers. So pass easily. Let's not muck around with this one. Yep. But it's just going to be a matter of whether they clear the 10. I, I expect that, that sack number to decrease for the Jets because Sam Darnold has a little bit of more movement than Luke Falk. Um, but still, the O-line is a, a clearing issue. Um, so even though that number might drop back, it's still terrible and a massive mismatch, I agree. And guys, just when we were talking before about potential trade ideas. I think people were talking about Leonard Williams being a, a, a possibility. Um, so yep. keep, yeah, that was, I just saw something small with that. It's a first round pass, yeah. first round pass rusher that teams would love to get their hands on. So I'm sure the Rams will just give up another first rounder for him, plug him next <laughs> to Aaron Donald and away we the, go. But I think the 2033 first rounder has been yeah. YouTube. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, lock of the week time. Looking at the schedule, I think we all are keen and plus we discussed this off air because we're, we're organized now. New Orleans plus three and a half is our lock of the week this week. Getting the hook on the New Orleans. I wonder if that's still out there. I'm just going to double check, but. Um, New Orleans plus three and a half against, yeah, it's still three and a half. You beauty. Uh, so plus three and a half. New Orleans Saints <laughs> on the road against the Bears. Um, let's talk long shots now. Nick uh, and best bets. Nick, start us off. Uh, yeah, New Orleans plus three and a half. Uh, I really like Dalvin Cook, as I mentioned earlier. 95 plus rushing yards at $2.05. And Devonta Freeman, as I, as I said earlier, four plus receptions at $1.80. I think is is very nice, and for my long shot, I think again as as I mentioned earlier, uh, Seattle Baltimore. I like Seattle money line and over forty nine at, at 
$3.20. I like it. James, what do you got for us? Uh, yep, Saints absolutely plus 3.5. Really like the Packers uh, to cover that five-and-a-half-point line against Oakland. Also like Rams at 252 to make the playoffs. Okay. Long shot, I did have the Panthers at $15 to win the NFC, but that might have just been to get our weekly Brian Burns reference in, which we did. <laughs> However, Another good one game. I actually forgot, forgot to include here is Wisconsin uh, College Football Championship. There is a $23 out there, guys. Don't do it. They'll if never you... win anything. I'm a Wisconsin fan. They'll never I... win anything. I know. Just to make some noise, this is a historically good defense. I'm all about Bama this year. And if you are, if you have made a Bama book, yep. maybe just put a little love in there for Wisconsin. And if you want to sort of still feather that nest, there's an Oklahoma $15 as well. I'm a Joey. I'm in on Joey B. Joey Burrow. <laughs> Okay, there LSU. you go. LSU, let's let's do this. Um, but yeah, no, I, man, I love Wisconsin, but they'll never, they'll never win anything. They'll let us down. They'll 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 lose a game and they'll miss. They'll they'll finish fifth in the rankings. That's this this this, this is the stat of the week for Nick here. The Wisconsin defense, Nick, has scored four mm-hmm. touchdowns this year alone. The Wisconsin defense has given up four touchdowns this year over the whole season. Yeah. That's how destructive this defense they got a, is. They got a great O line and another generational running back. They just yeah. they just a running back and white offensive lineman and factory at Wisconsin. <laughs> that, um, that's it. that's, that's yeah. right. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the metronome of college football yeah. teams who never recruits well, but it's always in the conversation. Yeah. You got to love that. I could do an NFL draft of college um, cliches, like you draft a white Wisconsin lineman, a college. Yeah, Iowa tight end, a Colorado defensive a back, smart person out of Stanford. Yeah, there's always. Yep, uh, yeah, you could you could do a whole thing. We might be able. We, might, we should look at that in the off season. Um, but yeah, my best bets this week. I like over forty nine, Baltimore, Seattle. Um, I like the Rams plus three and a half, which is the lock of the week as well. And uh, sorry, the Saints plus three and a half, and I like the Rams minus three as well. Um, if you don't like the Saints plus three and a half as a lock of the week, just looking back, we all like the Packers minus five and a half as well. So if you want to mm-hmm. sub that out, you're not keen on the Saints at all, you're worried about sort of Trubisky coming back or Kamara being out, um, the Packers minus five and a half at home might be a secondary option for the lock of the week for you. Um, and then my long shot this week, I like Cooper Cup here, 140 plus receiving yards at $6. And okay. T.Y. Hilton, 100-plus receiving yards at 225. As I said, he owns the Houston Texans. He owns Jonathan Joseph. He's coming for your soul again. Um, hopefully he wears the clown mask again before the game. Um, T.Y. Hilton, you're the, you're, you're, you're the MVP of my heart, T.Y. I love you. Um, so, yeah, all right, that's our best bets. Okay, we're back after a little quick break here, and uh, representing Stats Insider is... Stats Insiders, Nick. Um, <laughs> Daryl's off uh, in Europe. Um, so let's talk uh, the NFL model briefly, and we'll uh, wrap up the show with the model. How did the model do last week? Yeah, one and two on the podcast last week. It was, yep. it was a funny old week, as, as we kind of discussed yep. with the results. The, the total, as uh, as it has done all, all season and, and all of last season, total in the San Fran LA game, under 50 got up yep. to, to kind of save the week. but. Uh, 15 and 10 on the season so far for Lions and yep. 7 3 on green plays. Yep. 10 and 4 on totals, 3 and zip on green plays. Um, we won't talk head to head as, as we've discussed previously that the head to head bets are generally on really big underdogs where, where there's some value where the books might, might be a little bit off, but a win is still really unlikely. So it, it only takes one or two all season to kind of provide value and, and clean up in that market. But, um, college football as well. 
38-27 on lines for the season, 6-4 and four on greens, and 51-37 on totals, 6-3 and three on greens. Some good numbers, especially on the green plays um, for totals across the board. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I just think that's always a play. Just check the website constantly over the weekend or on a Friday night or a Saturday night before the main college football slate and just you know, play around with it and see what you can come up with. But uh, I was hoping the model would have a uh, money line play on on Buffalo, uh, yeah, on Miami this week because it fits magic, but it's not going to happen. But what are the best bets for for uh, the Stats Insider model as of recording here on a Thursday afternoon? Yeah, as always, subject to change, we, we record on the Thursday afternoon, as, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, so it's always worth just to keep checking back at the value summary page uh, for all your NFL selections and, and keep up to date with the match pages, follow the trends, and they, they move up and down with, with the market. So check them out. Um, best bet, Jets line, plus 9.5 is a 10% green selection. Yep. Um, Baltimore line, plus 3.5 is a 9% green selection. And Tennessee line, minus 2. Gone head-to-head. 7%. 7% orange, so, yeah, there's that. Mm, the model believes in Ryan Tannehill. Um, we'll wait and see. Um, and the long shot this week? Long shot this week, my boys, Philly, money line, 3% orange. Okay, there we go. All right, so, yeah, one and two last week on the pod, as as Nick just said, always subject to change. So make sure you check out uh, statsinsider.com.au, uh, as, as Nick has touched on before, and you can actually – Kind of have it up live if you're if you're watching the NFL and and have your computer nearby, you can get the live in-game probabilities as well, Nick. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the match pages at, at kickoff will update, so just hit refresh. Yep. Match pages will update with the live probability widget, um, and you can follow live probabilities for the, for the win markets, uh, line markets, and totals all through the match, um, every match, every weekend. Okay, and that wraps up the show here for week seven of the punt return, Nick. Uh, great show. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah enjoy, always fun. Yeah, enjoy week seven, and uh, we'll be back to, to recap weeks week seven and preview week eight next Thursday. Hopefully, less officiating errors and 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 blow ups, and hopefully, just the best team wins every game. Um, that's what we dream. That'd for. be nice. Yeah, That'd hopefully, nice. just all the picks that we've we've played here uh, are the ones that are the winners exactly. there. Um, yeah, but if, if you are having a gamble, do so responsibly. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at statsinsider.com.au and you can follow us on Twitter as well at WootNY. Until next week, peace.